0: This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. A program for and about America's 78 million baby boomers. Here's your host, Freddie Bell.
1: Hello and welcome to New Beginnings. I'm Freddie Bell. Coming up on the show, we welcome Leibel Sternbach, Joe McKenzie, and Kitty Harris, all sharing great information for you this weekend. Also, representatives from AARP are stopping by. We'll talk about not only imposter scams, but some great information that I'm sure you'll want to hear. We continue a lesson from Unity South Twin Cities, and we give you today's words to the wise and celebrate a national day. All this and more on New Beginnings.
0: Minneapolis Public Housing is right now on New Beginnings with Freddie Bell.
1: Joining me now is the property manager from the Cora McCorvey Health and Wellness Center, a role that she's had for quite some time. Say hello to Kitty Harris. Good morning and welcome to the program.
2: Good morning, Freddie. Always a pleasure to be here with you.
1: A few days ago, you had the community health fair and you have a lot of different activities. It seems like the Cora McCorvey Health and Wellness Center is again becoming the hub, welcoming people back to the center itself.
2: Yes, we are so excited that we were able to host our um, one of our first community health fairs on last week. And now as we're getting back into the swing of things and reconnecting with our partners, we one of our um, really good partnerships that we brought back was our partnership with Mid-Minnesota Legal Aid Clinic. And so we are once again able to offer um, free legal aid clinics the second Wednesday of every month here at the center and what that partnership does is a person can come into the center and meet with qualified legal attorneys who are volunteering their time. They are all here based out of the um, Twin Cities area. And you can get legal documents for your wills your, your medical directives your health care directives, any of those things that you need for free. Um, and that's a service that we have been able to bring back here at the center.
1: That seems like that's a really big service because I'm just thinking about uh the billable hours and how expensive it can be to talk to an attorney, but this is at no cost to the people who come in. Do you have to uh, meet a certain income requirement or live in a certain community in order to access this?
2: Nope. This is um, free to anybody that wants to come. You just have to make an appointment um, to speak to an attorney and so that they can kind of do a questionnaire to ask what, you um, what type of document you would be obtaining. And that way they know what to tell you to bring. And when you come in for that appointment, you leave that day with an executed document.
1: Well, wow, everybody, core McCorvey Health and well- Wellness Center's Kitty Harris is with us. And uh, when is this happening? And how do you register for the legal services uh, that will be provided at the center?
2: So it is the second Wednesday of every month. It's a partnership with Mid Minnesota Legal Aid. So you can call their number directly or someone can call us 612. 612- Three four four two 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 one, and we can connect them to the appropriate person that's in charge of that service. And again, this is something that we were doing uh, many, many years here at the center. We took a break, of, obviously, because of COVID, but now we're able to offer this again in person here at the center. So we're very excited Typically. to be able to bring that, amongst many other things, back. Um, as we continue to open up more.
1: Wow. And I remember at one time there was uh, even food distribution at the Cora Corby Health and Wellness Center.
2: Yes, we are very excited to have that back. The fourth Friday of every month, starting at 3 p.m., we um, give out free groceries to the community, courtesy of one of our on-site partners, the Lau Center. And so you don't need to sign up or register for that. It's open to anyone. They can just come in and grab um, grab a bag of rice, grab some eggs, grab some milk, whatever they have available. Sometimes there's fresh produce. And again, you know, there's a this is a food desert here where we're located, and there's a lot of people experiencing food insecurities, um, not just in North Minneapolis but throughout the state of Minnesota. So we're excited to again be able to offer. Um, Just a little bit of respite for people in um, in the form of the food distribution, the fourth Friday of every month.
1: And you mentioned at the outset, Kitty, something about a sing out.
2: Yes, we still are having our community sing out sponsored by our on-site partners here alive and kicking. And that is also the second Monday of every month at one thirty p.m. free and open to the community. And you don't even need to know how to sing in order to join (laughs) us. It's just another engagement opportunity for people to just come and just have some fun, get some snacks, meet some new friends, um, and just sing some crazy songs.
1: All right. So for more information, uh, tell us how we can really connect with the Cora McCorvey Health and Wellness Center.
2: Yes. If anybody has any information about any of our community events or our on-site partners, they can give us a call at 612-344-2221, and we'll happily answer any questions they might have.
1: That's Kitty Harris. Thanks so much for being with us.
2: Thank you, Freddie. Have a great day.
1: Hello, everyone. Happy weekend to you. I'm Freddie Bell. And with me right now is Mr. Joe McKenzie. He is the founder of Ripple Connects. He turns candidates into contenders. There are a couple of ways that you can reach Joe McKenzie. You can call him directly, 763 438 one six two one he has a habit of returning calls in this day and age that is really special. And you can visit the website rippleconnects.com. That's RippleConnects.com. Joe McKenzie, good morning and welcome.
3: Thank you, Freddie Bell. How are you today?
1: Unbelievable, and I'm excited about the program today because you know it's something so basic that a lot of people do miss it. And we're talking about communication and specifically communication strategies in the workplace. I'm wondering, would you agree that uh, over the last three years, one of the lost arts is just the value of really communicating and communicating well because uh, we're not uh, as close together and that verbal communication is lost?
3: Absolutely, Freddie. We've really been put to the test. You think about it, not only did the pandemic uh, had many people working remotely, but we have, we have four generations in the workplace today, you know, from baby boomers to Gen X to millennials to uh, the Gen Y, or excuse me, Gen Z. And it's, it, they all communicate differently. Uh, but here we've been put to the test as teams to make sure that we still communicate and many of those opportunities to have a conversation have been taken, you know, because of working remotely, have changed the, the way we communicate within our workplaces.
1: So I would imagine that when you're talking about the four generations of uh, working in the same place and then with the disparate communications with us being on a Zoom or a meeting or Teams or whatever the case might be, oh, oh yes, by the way, being face-to-face on occasion – that it can put a strain and uh, really degrade or degenerate the skill sets that we have in just uh, everyday communications?
3: I think so. If you solely just text or email, being able to have a conversation with someone where you may be able to uh, cut that uh, solution problem time in half because you ask good questions versus sending a text, you pick up on the tone or the, the true intent of what someone's asking you. Uh, yes, it's, it, it's become, you know, many of our communication lines have become very one dimensional when just a few years back it was a balance. I think I used, it talked about, well, someone may be more comfortable coming down the hall to talk with you versus send you an email. And now it's texting back and forth, uh, which, which becomes, you know, the way people exchange information. So, yeah, it's, I, I, th- it's becoming lost that, that verbal back and forth. Uh, how do we, how do we solve problems, you know, collaboratively in sometimes text, it seems like you're just asking or telling somebody versus collaborating. And I, that's what I pick up on Freddie. I know I look forward to our conversations, but we all find limitations in texting and email. It's important, but I do think there's some built in limitations because you don't always know the true intent of what someone's asking you, why they're asking you, and, and, and sometimes it drags out. It, it makes it for sometimes inefficient way to communicate.
1: Exactly. There is, a, when you're using text, I understand there is a message, and then there is message intent. Sometimes we do get the message out, but the intent of the message gets lost. And do you yes. see that that happens across generations, or is that just confined to just one generation?
3: No, I think that happens to all generations. I see it from my children. I see it from my coworkers. I see it from people that I volunteer with. I don't quite understand what their email or text meant. And (laughs) invariably, I might just even pick up the phone and go, Where are we going with this? I just want to make sure we're on the same page. But that's me, you know, so I'm someone that likes to have a conversation. And I think it can get lost. It's, believe me, it's efficient to get information across but i think that often it leaves the the person who's receiving that message sometimes thinking about what's the intent of this and that can that can put you into a standstill by just you know wondering where that's coming from so i think it's built in but it's 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 real it's real in today's workplace that's for sure
1: it is real and i know that there's some strategies around that i know that uh, For example, I'm hearing that voicemail is starting to go by the wayside and that voicing a text, speaking into your phone or a device and leaving the information that way is the preferred way, a strategy to bridge the gap with uh, from the cold, hard text or the cold email. Uh, And I don't know why we're not opting to use a voicemail, but that seems to be the preferred way. Are you seeing that in your circles?
3: Yes, often I don't. If I do leave a voicemail, it doesn't get acknowledged. But it seems as though any kind of text information does get acknowledged. So I think you know, just adapting to these new communication strategies or modes uh, is important, and we just have to recognize that we can't we can't be so set in our ways, thinking uh, we left a voicemail. How come someone didn't return that call? Maybe they didn't get
1: it. <laughs> Most of the often, time, Freddy,
3: I I don't even get a a voicemail alert that I got a voicemail from someone and I feel bad. But texting voice to text, I think, is a way that that doesn't go that, that, you know, I notice those more. And so, yeah, there's a shift uh, within the the workplace on how we communicate.
1: Really is interesting. I was uh, in an office setting the other day and I noticed that. There's a telephone. In fact, in this office, there were two telephones, desk phones. Uh, there was a computer. There was a laptop, a computer and a laptop, and a cell phone. And most of the communication was done over the cell phone. That had mm-hmm. This individual had all these other modes of communication there. So what strategies would you suggest uh, to someone who might be having some difficulty in connecting with a coworker or even uh, interpersonal connections uh, what would be the first strategy that you would suggest to bridge that gap of communication, Joe McKenzie?
3: I think any opportunity you get to have a conversation with some of the key people on your team on how they best communicate, Every everybody seems to have a little different uh, way they prefer. But if you clearly understand um, their their preferred way, I think that's a start versus assuming that everybody is going to want to um, you know, utilize text or email, I think just for the key people that you're going to do a lot of collaboration with, I think it's imperative that you understand what's the best way they want to communicate and you, you play to the strengths of that person. Sometimes I solve problems better having a conversation with someone on the phone versus me trying to send a text or an email back. And for me, it seems like it drags out longer than it should. But that that's on me. But I might be able to pick up the phone and say, this is what I meant by that. What do you think? And then that problem gets solved faster.
1: It so only for takes my a coworker,
3: minute. They may realize that Joe McKenzie prefers to talk it through versus going back and forth on tech, in text or email. So I think it's up to up to you as an individual to know the best way, and that is really having a conversation with the people that you collaborate the most often with.
1: So do you think that question is something that should be put out there no matter what the situation, even in someone with, in job search mode?
3: Yes, I, I really do. I think you do not want to have any gaps or lost emails or lost voicemails. I think it's critical. You know, job search takes on a lot of communication modes. It could be through social media. It can be through text, voicemail, voice. I think. Just knowing how you're going to communicate with someone in job search mode and be, be, you know, if you're engaging with employers, you also have to watch for, it's on you to make sure that you monitor your voicemail, you monitor your spam folders on your email, you watch for texts that, that may be coming from that employer. It's on you to make sure that you're not missing anything. And, uh, that w- that's where I'd start for anybody, any age is that Getting a voicemail from someone, like you did 20 years ago, may it may be in an email or text form that they want you to come in and interview, or set. You know, if you're dealing with your network, you may be using you know social media platforms to communicate back and forth. You have to monitor those regularly; otherwise, you're going to miss meetings.
1: Wow, well said, Joe McKenzie. We're going to leave it right there. And if you like more information, you can always reach out to Joe McKenzie. His telephone number is a telephone 763-438-1621, and he'll let you know the best way to leave that message. Joe McKenzie, always find work, and you do some fine work at Ripple Connects.
3: Yes, we do. We turn candidates into contenders.
1: This is a news-oriented broadcast, and all information is educational and nature is not intended to be legal, securities,
4: tax, or insurance advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional before acting on information heard during the broadcast.
0: You're listening to New Beginnings. New Beginnings with Freddie Bell.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Freddie Bell, and now it's time to talk finance with Leibel Sternbach. Libel is an Amazon best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. Libel, welcome back to New Beginnings. How are you this week?
0: I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm
1: doing well, and I'm really excited to talk about today's topic because we've talked about it on the edges before. I'll say it that way. Uh, I'm looking at uh, the idea that investing, in my opinion, investing strategies really don't get more classic than the so-called 60-40 allocation, holding 60% of your portfolio in stocks and 40% in bonds. And the thinking goes that you can get the best of both worlds, high growth potential from your riskier stocks and protection from your more conservative bonds. But I was also seeing a report liable that this could be the worst year ever for the sixty forty portfolio. How do you stand on that?
0: Well, I say Well, where I stand doesn't really matter. If, you know what matters is reality, right? <laughs> um, yes. And, and the reality is, uh, is that you know this is going to be one of the worst years for bonds. And here's the thing, right? It's like. You know, people are acting surprised like that bonds are having a really volatile year and that they're all over the place and they've lost more than, you know, they've ever had in the last like 20 years. But here's the thing, right? We knew this was coming. Anyone who understands how bonds work fundamentally understood that this is what's going to happen, that that bonds were going to take. Now, does that mean that people lost their money? You know, it depends how you're invested. It depends how you have your sixty forty. Um, and so when we think about these rules that we have about investing, about retirement and what we should do, right and especially if you start looking online, right it's you know we we like to think that you know knowledge has been there for forever and that the internet's been there for forever. But the fact is is that the internet only really came into into its um, you know into being into being something that had a lot of resources in the late nineties, right? And so for most of the life of the Internet, bonds have acted a very specific way because interest rates have been really, really low, artificially low. And so all the people who are writing the articles online and all the content that you can find online are based on this environment that we've had for the last 20 years, which is not what we're existing right now. It's not what we're experiencing right now. And anyone who was invested you know, at any period of time where interest rates were on the rise, where interest rates were being volatile, and there was uncertainty about the future or inflation, would know that this is what was going to happen. And unfortunately, uh, there's, you know, a lot of advisors haven't experienced that themselves, or they didn't understand what it meant that, you know, when interest rates go up and when inflation goes up. And, they just stuck with the sixty forty because, you know, nobody ever got fired for, you know, purchasing an IBM, right? You, you, I'm sure you've heard that saying. It's <laughs> it, it's the same thing, right? If the SEC comes in, if an auditor comes in and says, why did you allocate your client this way? You say, well, 60 There's, you know, a whole lot of academic research. Everyone says that sixty forty is a good thing to have for a retiree. But, you know, when you think about it, is it really a good thing to have? Does it actually make sense? It really depends on what's going to happen now and in the near future. And that changes, right? Especially when we have the Fed raising interest rates and central banks across the world raising interest rates. What do you think that does to loans, right? You saw mortgage rates go up. Well, bonds are just loans to companies.
1: (laughs) Wow. Everybody, Livel Sternbach with us this weekend, and we're talking about the 60-40 portfolio. And I'm just, so based on what you've just shared in response to my first question, in your opinion, do you think bonds are no longer, quote unquote, safe in this regard?
0: So I think that they were never say you know, quote unquote, safe. I, I don't think that you could treat any asset class or any investment, right, as being safe. The only reason why they are technically safer than stocks is because if a company goes into bankruptcy, you have priority over the majority of shareholders, right? Because you are a debt and debts get paid before the owners of the company. The owners are the last in line when there's a bankruptcy. So that's why people talk about it being safe. The other reason why They happen to tend to be like, you know, less volatile. I'm not going to say the word safe. I'm going to say less volatile that they don't move as much as stocks Mm -hmm. is because they don't move as much as stocks because (laughs) their value is derived by the fact that they're a loan, that you loan the, the company money and the company is guaranteeing you a certain interest rate. So the only time that their value is going to change, right, everyone knows how much that interest rate that you're going to get on that is. You loan $1,000, and let's say it's a 10% interest rate, you're going to get, you know, $100. That's, that's what your payment is for giving this loan. Everyone knows it, so it gets priced in. Now, the only time that that price moves around is when people either fear that the company is going to go bankrupt and they can't pay their creditors, right, or if all of a sudden people can start using their money and get more a higher interest rate, if you know all of a sudden companies are paying you know fifteen percent interest and you're holding a ten percent loan, right, and you're only getting ten percent, well, you got one of two choices: you can either hold that to maturity, right, get your principal back, or you can try to sell it to someone else and buy something that pays more, right, and that's really where that volatility comes in because. If you need to sell this, if you need to convince someone else to buy something that is below market value, right? That everyone else is paying more, and you have something that you know pays less. Well, you're going to have to take a hit so that the new investor can receive the same amount of profit as everyone else, right? And you're in a in a bad situation, right? If you're if you're forced to have to sell this thing at, at you know a lower rate at a discount. Um, so people are taking advantage of that, and that's what happens and so it's not that it's less you know it's not that it's more safe than than equities or that it's you know there's something inherently safer about it no, it's just that it tends to move less when interest rates move less when the bond market moves less when loan, prices are, lo- are are moving less. When the outlook for the future is stable, then yeah, they tend to, not to move. But when people don't know what company is going to survive, right? When we're worried about a recession and they're trying to figure out, okay, who has good balance sheets? Who's going to be able to pay off their debt? Who's going to be able to survive? And we have interest rates are moving so people can go move their money elsewhere, make more money, right? So you lo- you lose your buyers and you have to incentivize them to buy from you. Then, yeah, it's going to become very volatile and it could become even riskier than stocks. The only thing that you have with a, with a bond that you don't have with stocks is that if you hold it to maturity, you can get your principal back assuming the company remains solvent. So it but, sounds
1: like lo- – go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: But, there, but there's a catch here,
1: right? Yes. Okay. Now, it
0: used to be that people bought individual bonds. The vast majority of people don't buy individual bonds anymore right? We're now buying bond ETFs and all these packaged products. So we don't get to control whether we get to hold it until, until maturity. And that makes it extremely risky. And in fact, I think it makes it even more risky than equities because you know that they're buying and selling things at the wrong time because they have to. Well,
1: wow. interesting. Everybody, we're talking with Lipo Sternbach. So does that mean that in does the fundamental, uh, A way that we manage our money when we're talking about saving for retirement mean that if we're investing that in order to come out uh, the way that we would like to on the back end, that we do have to ride the wave, the wave and accept the ups and downs of the market and the bond market.
0: So I think that you shouldn't ever ride the wave, right? Listen, unless, unless you're really young and you've got a long time ahead of you, right? Then you can afford to ride the wave and the law of averages is going to work in your favor. Um, but when you're nearing retirement or you're in retirement and you're taking money out of your portfolio, then you don't have the time to ride the wave. But not only that, but every time you have a dip and you take money out of your portfolio, you're, you're going further down than everyone else, which means it's going to be harder for you to come back up. So when everyone else, right? And when in your working years, you rode it down. Okay. You tightened your belt a little bit, but you also, got the benefit from that dip by investing more during buying more stocks or more shares because they were at a discount when you were contributing to your 401k or your retirement. Come retirement, when you're taking money out, that starts to work against you, right? So I think very much as we transition into retirement, our mindset needs to not be, let's ride the wave. It needs to be, how can we smooth out the wave? How can we not be on the same roller coaster ride that everyone else is, right? Um, You know, you don't want to be, you know, well, you know, I'm very brave and I'm, you know, I'll go to go on the big roller coaster, right? No, you know, you want to be on the kiddie roller coaster when you're in retirement. You want to have just enough bumps that your money grows at the pace that you need it to grow in order for you not to have to change your lifestyle in retirement. Mm-hmm. But... You don't want any more volatility than you have to. You don't want to be holding on for dear life and wondering whether you're going to puke your guts out, right, and whether you're going to still be around at the end of this ride.
1: I love your analogies, Libel. We're talking with Leibold Sternbach about the 60-40 portfolio. And I, I get a sense that uh, with the, even with the, the basic questions that are out there in the marketplace today that – there are many investors, either new investors or even ones who have been with, uh, with different companies for a long time, don't have a fundamental basic on what a bond actually is. Can you level set for a lot of folks who are listening today?
0: Yeah. The best analogy that I have for a bond and forget about what it actually is, right? It's you're loaning money to a company. So think about, you know, your worst relative who comes up to you on the holidays and, you know, they're always, you know, drunk and they're always, you know, losing their money and they're asking you for money. That's how you should treat a bond. And what you should think about it is, right? So you're loaning money to somebody who you don't, you're not really sure whether they're going to be able to turn it into something or not. Right. But, The price of the bond, right, if you just waited it out until they paid you back, and maybe they'll pay you back. Maybe they'll pay you back in a year when they said they would. Maybe they paid you back in 10 years, right? That eventually they'll pay you back. That's fundamentally a bond. But how it works in your retirement, how it works in your portfolio, and especially these bond funds, I want you to think of a seesaw. right? Kids playing in a playground, they got a seesaw, right? One kid goes up, one kid goes down. On one side of that seesaw, you have your return, right? So that's the interest that's being paid to you. On the other side, right, you have interest rates, right? And so as, sorry, the price of your bond, right? So as interest rates rise, the price of your bond has to go down. One side of your seesaw, one kid has to go down in order for your bond to produce a return that's equivalent to the higher interest rate. When interest rates go down, right? Your bond that's paying a higher interest rate goes up, right? And the other person on the seesaw is down and you're up, right? It's a seesaw, right? People think about it and you're like, well, it's safer because usually it's flat, right? Usually you have two kids who weigh the same amount and, you know, <laughs> or it's, one kid's just slightly heavier than the other and everyone knows and they don't move and they don't jump up and down and they don't play around. But what happens when the kids start being kids again, right? And one of them starts gaining weight and the other one is, you know, becomes antsy. All of a sudden, you you got a ride, and it's going up and down, up and down, and you're losing your shirt.
1: <laughs> what a great analogy. And we're talking about the 60-40 portfolio and different aspects of it. Do you have information on yields4u.com that we can access about the sixty forty portfolio?
0: Yes, absolutely. So if you go to my website, yields4u.com, you go on there, go to classes. We've got classes on investing. We've got resources on resources. We've got guides. We've got checklists. We've got on the blogs. We've got blogs on how to do it. But if you have any questions about your portfolio, if you want us to take a look at a second opinion, just hit that book appointment and we'll be more than happy to answer any questions you have. This is just something that we do for the community.
1: Thank you, Libel. We look forward to hearing from you again next week. Libel's website is yields for you. That's yieldsforyou.com. Yields the number four, the letter U dot com. Well. And now it's time to go back in time on New Beginnings with It Happened This Week. And in 1893, Colorado became the first state to give women the right to vote. In 1965, the Pillsbury Doughboy debuted in television advertisements. In 1980, actor Steve McQueen died at the age of only 50. He is best remembered for his roles in such films as The Great Escape and Bullet. In 1989, L. Douglas Wilder became the first elected black governor in United States history after winning the gubernatorial race in Virginia. And over in New York, David Dinkins was elected New York City's first black mayor. In 1991, the Los Angeles Lakers star Magic Johnson announced his retirement from basketball after testing positive for HIV. In 1999, Tiger Woods, to all you golf fans, became the first golfer to win four tournament titles since Ben Hogan did it in 1953. And in 2011, a Los Angeles jury returned a guilty verdict for Michael Jackson's doctor at the time of the singer's death on June 25, 2009. Dr. Conrad Murray was convicted of involuntary manslaughter. The cardiologist was accused of giving Jackson the anesthetic propofol to help the singer sleep, then failing to properly monitor him. It happened this week, and I'm Freddie Bell.
0: And now, our supporting partner, AARP in the Twin Cities.
1: Have you ever been scammed out of money? Have you gone to your checking account or your savings account and you realize that there's not as many funds in there as you thought? Well... Jay Hapla, the Associate State Director for Debril ARP in Minnesota, is really working hard to help you to keep more of your hard-earned money. And as we go into this holiday season, Jay, what are you seeing? Uh, what's the, the imposter scam? Is that is that one coming back again?
5: Oh, it's going round and round, Freddie. I don't think it ever goes away, but right now is the perfect time for criminals to be using a few different kind of imposter scams just because of the way the calendar works and what folks are dealing with right now. And you're right, you know, there's maybe never been a more important time for people to be focused on their, on their bank account and their savings and trying to make their money last. Um, we certainly don't want these scammers to get their hands on it.
1: So how are you addressing this? How do you stop scams? What is, uh, how does AARP direct this work?
5: Yes, sir. So we run a program called the Fraud Watch Network, and folks can call our toll-free number and get help navigating through all the different type of scams that they see. And then when people are victimized and they've lost money, we can help them figure out where to get help. Um, but with all that data we collect from the thousands of people that call our uh, hotline every month, then we get the information we can share with your listeners and the public and help everyone avoid all of these scams. So why do you call it the
1: perfect time of the year for scams right now?
5: Well, there's a few things just going on in our world that make sense for the scammers to take advantage of. And I'll list them here and explain how they work. Um, Back in September, the federal government stopped sending COVID tests for free through the mail. And some scammers have figured out, well, they could just replace those advertisements online with their own type of free fake ads that say you can get a free COVID test. Um, but those fake ads, they just collect people's personal information and oftentimes their payment information as well. So, what, here's what folks need to know. If you want to get reimbursed for your COVID test, if you need one, talk to your insurance company, um, talk to your healthcare provider, and there, and if you're going to go online and search, make sure you're on a website that ends with dot GOV. That's gov the government website, and they'll explain to you how you can get reimbursed for your, your COVID test, but don't just be clicking on those random ads you see on the internet. So that's just a current event that makes sense for the scammers. And another uh, type of imposter scam happening right now, it's really uh, the, they're impersonating utility companies, banks, and online retailers um, like Amazon, and they're uh, what I've seen lately is that these these companies, these legitimate companies, are setting out alerts with advice for their customers. Uh, they're telling us all to be vigilant against fake payment requests. So these are common. And your bank and utility companies are not going to send you a request for payment with gift cards, wire transfers, or those apps like PayPal, Venmo, and Zelle. That's the scammers out there sending messages trying to get paid by impersonating those companies. And then also, they say ignore the urgent emails and tests that say your account has been compromised or it's been charged. Those are just scare tactics by imposters and scammers. Um, and those emails often are text messages say, Contact us and we'll help you sort this out, but it's really an imposter. And then um, when it comes to your online accounts, we want folks to use multi factor authentication. That's some big words for 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but um, the way it's when you try to log in on your online account and then you have to get a text message or an email to access your account, that's good protection against scammers and hackers getting into your account. But what the scammers do is they call their victims and they want to get that code in, because they're trying to log into your account. So don't be handing out those codes over the inter- or over the phone when someone calls you, that's for sure.
1: Oh, my gosh. Jay Havela with us this morning talking about how to protect ourselves against these imposter scams. Is, are there any others that you'd like to talk about this morning?
5: Sure. There's one more I'll highlight because it is for older folks. It's Medicare open enrollment se- season, so if you're watching the TV news, you probably see a lot of advertisements for different uh, Medicare insurance plans. But along with all that legitimate advertising, the scammers are acting as imposters, and they call on the phone or they put ads online. Um, looking to steal personal information and money. But in Minnesota we have a service that's run by the state. It's called the Senior Linkage Line. And all of their staff and volunteers who answer this phone number, they are trained to help people navigate through the different Medicare plans without trying to sell you something. So their job is just to give you the facts about the different plans. And that Senior Linkage Line is 800-333-2433.
1: Wow. So what would you uh, recommend to people right now who are concerned about scams or if they notice something happening, or is there an event uh, that we can go to that that we can learn more information, maybe a webinar or seminar?
5: Yeah, sure is. So we're actually, on December 1st, we're hosting a free Scam Jam event. It's (laughs) over in Oakdale, and it's a breakfast time, so folks need to register online online. the event runs from 9 until noon, and we have some expert speakers who will be talking about different types of fraud. There's food, there's resources from all sorts of different community organizations. Uh, December 1st in Oakdale, 9 a.m., and you got to register at aarp.org slash mnevents. Wow. Uh, Jay, i got one
1: for you, uh, and I'm, I know I'm not supposed to call you with the, this information, but... Uh, there's one on Facebook that I just noticed the other day that said that I may have used copyrighted photos and to click <laughs> here to uh, make sure that we're protected and that I don't have to pay money or something like that to, uh, to, protect, my, to protect my account and to keep my account from being closed down permanently. Well, okay. No, nothing's and, happened to my I, account yet.
5: <laughs> okay, that's good. So how'd that make you feel when you saw that alert? I was concerned.
1: I was really sure, concerned sure. because you know, with our KMOJ account, we have several photos, and even on my personal one, there's several photos out
5: there. Right, and so that's the number one tactic for these scammers is they have to get an emotional response out of you. So, and it sounds like you reacted properly. Sure, you were concerned, and you're thinking, "Am I in trouble because I've used some photos that I wasn't supposed to use?" And that's the first step that the scammers need is someone to get emotional because it short circuits our better judgment. So when you feel that that uh, uneasiness or concern because you see something on Facebook or you see something in your email account, that's a good red flag to know this might be a scam.
1: You know, these are some smart people. Why don't they just get a real
5: job? Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Well, I'm with you, but it, it isn't going to stop, so we all got to support each other and share this information with your family friends. When you get together with your family over the holidays, it's a good chance to talk about these kind of things and keep everyone safe.
1: Do you have a real scam number that we can call if we'd like to report a scam or get more information?
5: <laughs> well, I get plenty of reports myself, that's for sure. But our, eight, our, our number where folks can call and get help is 877-908-3360.
1: Jay Hapala, Associate State Director for Community Engagement for AARP Minnesota. Jay, I can't thank you enough for being with us. Thanks for being here.
5: Likewise. Thanks, Freddie. Have a good one. Okay, you too.
1: Now it's time for the lighter side. A man escaped from a prison in Brazil. He walked alone until he reached the road where he planned to hitch a ride. He flagged down an unmarked car. He began talking with the driver, and the driver's friend and confessed to them that he'd just fled from jail. They were the cops. We're at the end of daylight saving time, and after clocks are turned back... People walking during the evening rush hour are nearly three times more likely to be struck and killed by cars than before the time change. Researchers are saying that ending daylight saving time translates into about 37 more U.S. pedestrian deaths around 6 p.m. in November compared to October. It's not the darkness itself, but the adjustment to earlier nighttime that's the killer. Researchers found that per-mile risk jumps 186 percent from October to November, but then drops 21% in December. They say the drop-off by December indicates the risk is caused by the trouble both drivers and pedestrians have adjusting when darkness suddenly comes an hour earlier. And a study found humans can have more empathy for dogs than their two-legged friends. The research examined whether people were more emotionally disturbed by reports of humans or dogs suffering abuse. Participants in the study were given fictitious news reports about an unprovoked attack with a baseball bat by an unknown assailant. Different versions of the report had the victim of the attack as either a 1-year-old infant, a 30-year-old man, a puppy, or an adult. Researchers say the study respondents were less distressed when human adults were victimized in comparison with human babies, puppies, and adults. And finally, we already know that maintaining a healthy weight is important. According to research, just a few extra pounds here and there will shorten your life. The study found that people who are overweight cut their life expectancy by two months for every two pounds of extra weight they carry. I'm Freddie Bell from The Lighter Side on New Beginnings. As new beginnings continues, we now take you to the spirituality portion of our program, where we introduce the senior minister of Unity South Twin Cities, the Reverend James Stacy. We now join Reverend Stacy with a program already in progress.
4: God is all. The complete principle number one is God is absolute good. Everywhere present. How does that feel? Does it firm up your faithfulness? Does it make you glad to greet the morning? To greet one another here? To go through your day with a confidence that God is good and you will seek that good. And yes, there are bumps in the road. There are medical procedures we must go through. There are challenges that we must meet. That's part of the human experience. That's how we grow. That's how we evolve. But if we hold to this fundamental spiritual truth that God is absolute good everywhere present, Charles Fillmore once said in a Sunday lesson, because he had a nice Midwestern brawl and a nice sense of humor, and he said, what is your idea of God? Is your God faithful? Or Mr. Fillmore said, or is he a little tricky? One day he helps you, and another day, he doesn't seem to be anywhere around? Let you flounder in your challenges? You know, a tricky, undependable sort of creator. Or are you convinced? Are you so sure that no one can take it away from you that God is absolute good everywhere present? And if you look, you'll find a way forward. Last Wednesday, we started our Wednesday discussion class on these principles. It's not too late to join us at 7 on Wednesday evenings this month in person, or you can find us through Zoom and join us from your home. And in this class, we had quite a lively discussion group people that were excited, thinking, what do these principles really mean? Do I believe in the goodness of God? Do I believe in the ever-presence of God? And if I do, how does that inform my choices, my actions? How I relate to others? Do I look for the good in them, or do I criticize them? Do I behold the great possibility in their life, or do I sit complaining because of how they choose to vote? Principle number two, which we will see naturally unfolds from principle number one. These all relate together. They all must hold together in your mind and heart, or they're just strings of words. They work together. The second principle human beings, us, all of us, human beings have a spark of divinity within them, the Christ Spirit within. It's what we affirm every week, not only for ourselves, but for each one. Human beings have a spark of divinity within them, the Christ spirit within. Their very essence is of God. And therefore, they are also inherently good. That's the truth of your being. Now, of course, unity didn't originate these ideas. They just said, this is what we're going to focus on. This is our truth. This is how we are going to grow and mature. Jesus taught the people in his day. He compared them. You think, I'm bad. He compared them to unripe or ripe fruit. Are you rotten fruit? Or are you mature, ripe fruit? That was the basis of his Aramaic language, the word bisha. We have learned it in English as evil. Now that's kind of heavy. That's kind of a downer. So you can remember for Jesus' language, it was mature or immature. Mature or evil. I like the word evil. Somebody recently told me they were changing in uh, the Lord's Prayer, removing that word and putting an error. And I said, Well, you know, do what's meaningful to you. But I said, I kind of like the word evil because it is. Live spelled backwards. Evil is backwards living. Living in a way that's not appropriate, not harmonious, not good for your growth or anyone else is evil. Jesus also told his listeners when they were getting a little uneasy because he was telling them how good they were that they were children of God. He did what was common at that time. Let's go back to our Hebrew wisdom. Let's go back to the Psalms, many of them written by their great King David a thousand years earlier. And he said, isn't it written in our Psalms? You are sons and daughters of the Most High. You are God's. Whoa. Even in his day, the religious authorities wanted to say, Blasphemy! How can you declare, You are God's. I am God. Or the subtitle of our principle two is, You are God. People get uncomfortable. I remember as a teenager being on vacation and reading, at that time, the new book, Out on a Limb by Shirley MacLaine, and she was declaring as she stood on a beach, I am God. I tried it and immediately felt embarrassment. What have I said? What have I said? But think of the logic of these principles. God is absolute good, everywhere present. So that means what, John? Present in you, as you. Now, if you've been reading our electronic newsletter that comes out Wednesday evening every week lately, I've been working with writings by Rabbi Rami Shapiro, who I heard at Chautauqua and was inspired by, and he said. It only makes logical sense if you believe in the goodness of God and the ever-presence of God that God is in
1: you. You just heard a message coming from the Reverend James Stacey, the Senior Minister of Unity South in the Twin Cities. More information is found at their website at UnitySouth.org. And today is National Pizza with the works except Anchovies Day. It says to hold the fishes. Anchovy lovers move over this weekend. All the other pizza lovers get their due and pile on their toppings. The annual pizza holiday gets the spotlight with olives, pepperoni, sausage, peppers, and onions. And how about mushrooms, bacon, and pineapple? Approved. Just no fishy business on this National Day or no pizza for you. And here are today's words to the wise. Stop and think. Today's words to the wise. Stop and think. You can find more about words to the wise on my website, freddiebell.com. That's our show for this week. I'm Freddie Bell. For more information, you can follow me on Twitter, at Freddie Bell, on Instagram, Freddie Bell Radio, and Facebook, Freddie Bell Radio Shows. For everyone that's been a part of this one, this is Freddie Bell saying goodbye for now. And remember that every day is a chance for a new beginning. Goodbye, everybody.